Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to this week's From the Pavilion podcast. Just Ollie in the chair this week. No, Nathan, he's away on holiday, as I uh, discuss later on in the main show. Uh, so just me this week. Not really much to say. I mean, it's our last live show of the season. Again, more on that in <laughs> in the main show. Uh, but the not the last podcast, because um, we'll be putting together a season review for you in the next couple of weeks and who knows maybe after that even more content maybe throughout the winter of course we've got the t20 world cup to look forward to and maybe maybe the ashes as well so lots of cricket to discuss still of course all the local stories will wrap up as well but hopefully we'll be able to keep the content coming throughout the winter months but after this week just uh, as i said one show left the season review we've got some great guests coming on to round up the campaign we'll be going through all of the divisions from junior five north south and west all the way through to the top the cams and hunts premier league division one and of course the east anglian premier league and of course cambridgeshire's men's and women's side too so we're rounding up all of that giving your side a mention if you've got promoted, so make sure you stay listening for your shout-out. We'll also, of course, be concluding the FTP Quiz Cup. At last, I hear you say. It's the final between and Eaton Soken. Of course, I've already done the show, so I know who's gone through, but you don't if you're listening to the podcast and you didn't get a chance to listen to the live show. So the final is between Eaton Soken's Graham Duff, and... Mm -hmm. The team who gets through, either Needingworth or Sawson and Babraham. Lots of other local guests as well, so make sure you tune in to... Now, I said next week, I'm not sure maybe next next week, or the, definitely the next couple of weeks, hopefully, we should be able to get out a season review show. Last live show that we pre-recorded, me and Nathan will uh, we'll get in touch, we'll go on Zoom and try and put together a show for you over the next couple of weeks. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello, good evening, and welcome along to the last live from the pavilion of the season. Yeah, my name is Ollie Slack. Thanks very much for tuning in. This is your home of cricket here in Cambridgeshire as we wrap up the local game. On today's show, we'll take you through the final round of matches in the East Anglian Premier League, and we'll hear also from Eaton Soken's Johnny Carpenter as they are on the verge of playing in the EPL playoff to get into the division next season. We'll also wrap up the rest of the local game, including what happened in the Junior League Championship playoff, the Women's East Anglian Premier League 2. It's also the second semi-final of the FTP Quiz Cup. It's Sauce and Babram against Needingworth this evening. Annie Chave of County Cricket Matters will be joining us in just a bit to preview T20 finals. So, yep, it's probably one of, if not the biggest, day of the domestic calendar this Saturday at Edgebaston. Four teams battling out to be crowned T20 Blast champions. Annie will be telling us who's the favourites later on. And we mentioned the Women's East Anglian Premier League. Well, Laura Neild, the captain of Triplo, will be joining us later on. Maybe that's a bit of a clue to how this weekend's action went. 
So if you want to get in touch with the show, please do at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook. I'm also live in the studio this week, 07919 070 490, the number to text. You can email studio at cambridge105.co.uk too. So thanks very much for tuning in to this week's show. As I said, the last live show of the summer, if you can call it summer. I mean, blooming heck, the weather is horrendous today. I think summer is well well and truly gone by the looks of things. It feels like we're in autumn now anyway, even though there wasn't much of a summer anyway. But yeah, the last live show this evening, I say live show, that's because we're hoping myself and Nathan to pre-record a season review for you in the next couple of weeks. We have special guests and look back at some of our best content over the last few months as well. So make sure you stay across our social media pages for that and FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook. They're the places you'll find it. No Nathan this week, though. You'll notice he's not with us. He's on his holidays, a well-deserved holiday, so he's away this week. Just myself, but he has helped put the show together. So plenty of great content in this week's show still. Nathan will be back. I'm not sure where he's gone, actually. There he's gone. Probably somewhere a lot warmer and hotter than uh, here in Cambridgeshire. Looking out the studio windows, it's horrendous. It's been raining all day, so we'll move on from the weather. We won't talk about that anymore and i think we should probably crack on with the second semi-final of the ftp quiz cup between source and abraham and needingworth from source and abraham we've got the skipper nick griggs and needingworth scott walton scott nick thanks very much for coming on the show scott let's start with you how you doing mate yeah very good mate yourself yeah yeah not too bad not too bad thank you nick how you doing yeah good thank you mate how are you yeah, yeah, all good, thanks, all good. Uh, Nick, let's just talk about the the end of the season for yourselves. We actually had one final game completed in the Whiting Partners Div 3, Canton Hunts Premier League Division 3 on the weekend. It didn't affect you because you guys, i.e. Source of Abraham 2s, were top of the league. You'd already secured your promotion. 380 points from 16 games. You must be really pleased with how it went. Yeah, quite an impressive year. Obviously, we got bumped up from from senior two the year before. We weren't really uh, we weren't really sure of how we'd how we'd go. We knew, we thought we'd be competitive, um, but obviously, it's gone well above our expectations. So, looking forward to seeing how we t- find ourselves next year in the league above. Yeah, do you think you'll be able to to handle the jump up pretty comfortably? I mean, I'm not sure where the the biggest leap up in terms of quality comes. Do you know? No, it's a bit difficult because obviously a lot of our a lot of our second team players now are RX first team players. So a lot of us have played in that sort of league before, um, and our strength sort of relies on how strong the first team are. Obviously, them winning the league is only going to make them stronger next year. So hopefully that that filters down to us as well. Yeah, definitely. So of course, the first team doing so well in, in winning the East Anglian Premier League at the first time of asking Scott for yourselves. I think when we last spoke, you were maybe a little bit nervous because you were heading into the the, the cup final. Uh, on the Sunday after our show and also you were dancing a little bit with, with relegation in Senior 1 but avoided it comfortably in the end or went well? Yeah, luckily um, Chatteris didn't sort of get over the line and get a few wins towards the end so we were quite safe and we'd still lost the get the remaining games but um, we got a couple of high scoring games that got us the bonus points that kept us up so we're uh, very happy that we managed to stay up and obviously next year we'll we'll go again and look to aim to be a bit higher than where we finished this year. 
Yeah, could you shed any light in terms of whether the biggest jump up in quality is, of course, your senior one? Would you expect if you went up to the, the Cavs and Hunts Premier Leagues there to be a significant rise in, in quality? Um, I'm not fully aware of the quality because this is the highest standard that I've played, but a couple of players um, who have played in that league above have said there's not much difference. I think it's when you go into you know, the league above, then there is a big, there is a big gap. But um, yeah, so we'll, we'll look to challenge again next year. Um, this year, I, I don't know where it's gone wrong, but, you know, usually we are up there. But um, I think the teams that have gone up have been the outstanding teams in the league by a mile. Yeah, it was the T20 Walker Cup final as well. I was alluding to earlier on that you lost to Histon just by four wickets. So a pretty tight one in the end. I mean, Histon, albeit chased it down with 12, 13 balls to go, but there had been a period in there where um, you would have probably felt you had a bit of a squeak. Yeah, like, like I said, like, unfortunately I was on holiday, so I missed the final. But um, oh, that's why. I, that's why getting, I, was, I know yes. I was getting ball by ball commentary on our um, cricket club WhatsApp <laughs> chat, and it was very close. Um, but like you said, Histon have been seems to have been the side of the summer, really, haven't they? In in the cams, I think they might have just lost one in the end. I think, but um, but you know, like I said, it was a close game, and it was a good day for the lads. And um, you know, it's it's another finals day for the club, so it's just good for the club, really. Yeah, good day out. It certainly seemed that way. And you are right about Histon as well. Of course, the first team winning the Cams and Hunts Premier League Division 1 playoff final against Eaton Soken. Histon's second team promoted out of Senior 2 into Senior 1. So they'll be taking on Needham again next season. Right, let's crack on with the quiz then, chaps. You're all familiar with the format for anyone listening who isn't. Both Scott and Nick will be taking on each other in a best-of-five contest. Each question will have six possible answers. The player going first will take a guess. If they're right, they get the point. If they don't, then play then goes to your opponent, and so on and so on until the correct answer is given. To decide who's going first, we'll ask a separate question called the toss. Are you ready, guys? Yes, mate. Good, good. Let's go then. So the toss is a, a local question, and this question proved pivotal last week in Graham Duff's victory over Tom Beaumont, Eaton Soken against City of Ely, in who got the first choice in the last question. It was fantastic quizzing last week, so no pressure this week, boys. But the toss <laughs> question is, Eaton Soken's Johnny Carpenter, he's on the show later on, was the only man to score over a 1,000 league runs this season all the way from the Camden Hunts Premier League Division 1 right down to the CCA Junior 5 League. But how many did he score exactly? Nick, I'll go with you first. He scored a lot, I know that. <laughs> he did. The hell of a player is Johnny. Uh, I'm going to go with 1,050. 1,050. What about you, Scott? Um, I'll go with 1,100. 1,100 against 1,050. I can tell you that Nick is closest. 1,035 runs he scored this season in the league. So Nick takes control of the quiz. Are you ready for question one, Nick? Yeah, go for it. Well, it's a bit of a T20 Blast finals day theme to start with. Ahead of Saturday, of the teams left in the competition, the four teams left, who has taken the most wickets in T20 Blast this season is it Marchant de Langer Matt Milnes Brad Wheel Scott Curry Timar Mills or Fred Classen who are you going for oh, uh, I will go with Fred Classen you're going with Fred Classen of Kent <clears throat> incorrect I'm afraid over to Scott what do you reckon Scott 
I haven't got a clue, but I'm just going to go with Tamar Mills because I'm a Sussex fan, so I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> Is Tamar Mills right? <laughs> no, it's not. Both Fred Class and Tamar Mills have taken 14. That's not right. Back to you, Nick. What are the other options? Marchant de Langer, Matt Milnes, Brad Wheel and Scott Curry. I'll go with uh, Matt Milnes. You're going with Matt Milnes of Kent? <laughs> and it's correct. 18 wickets for him this season. <laughs> Marchant de Langer and Scott Curry were second with 17. Brad Wheel was 16. Tim R. Mills and Fred Classen were 14 each. So uh, Nick managed to get a point on the board early on. This second question is, though, for you, Scott. Are you ready? Yep. Of the teams left in the competition once again, who has scored most runs in the T20 Blast? So out of the teams left in the competition, which of these have scored the most runs in the Blast this season? Is it Daniel Bell Drummond, Zach Crawley, Will Smead, James Vince, Luke Wright or Joe Weatherly? Go with James Vince. Game with Hampshire skipper James Vince. <clears throat> That's not right, I'm afraid, Scott. Over to you, Nick, for a 2 0 lead. Sorry, I've forgotten them again, mate. You can have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daniel Bell Drummond, Zach Crawley, Will Smead, Luke Wright, and Joe Weatherly. They're the five left. We'll, we'll stick with Kent. We'll go with Bell Drummond. You're going with Bell Drummond. And you'd be right to go, Daniel Bell Drummond. 392 <laughs> runs this season in the T20 Blast. He's the highest run scorers out of those six and out of the team left in the competition too. This question is for Nick and has a chance to clinch the quiz and make it 3-0 as well. You ready, Nick? Yeah, go for it. Which former Test World number 1 bowler has recently been appointed as Pakistan's new bowling consultant for the T20 World Cup this year. Is it Umar Gull, Vernon Falander, Shoaib Akhtar, Dale Stain, Ryan Harris or Daniel Vittori? Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll go with Daniel Vittori. You're going with Daniel Vittori as Pakistan's new bowling consultant for the T20 World Cup. <clears throat> A chance for Scott to get back in it. What do you reckon, Scott? Who was, who was that again? Sorry. Umar Gull, Vernon Philander, Shoabaktar, Dale Stain, or Ryan Harris left? Uh, we'll go with Ryan Harris. It's wrong, I'm afraid, <laughs> again. Nick, another chance. Christ, it could be any of them. Uh, don't Vernon Philander. Don't ask me to read the names again, please. No. no. We'll Ver go Vernon Philander. Vernon Philander, the South African, to win it. Yes, you got it right. <laughs> Sorry, Scott, that was a guess. <laughs> That's all right. I ain't got a clue of anything. <laughs> oh, the standard. This, I, I shot myself in the foot, really, when I put pressure on you and said the standard was good last week. It wasn't as good this week, but, Nick, you are the winner. Congratulations, mate. You're through to the final. Happy man? Thanks, mate. Yeah, I mean, I only got the Kent ones because I went, went to watch one of the T20 games against Essex. <laughs> They're the only people I knew. <laughs> oh, it's a victory, albeit sounds slightly shallow now, <laughs> but a victory nonetheless. You'll be taking on Graham Duff of Eaton Soken in the final on our season review show. Looking forward to it? Yeah, mate, should be good. Hopefully more guesses will get me through. <laughs> Hopefully so. Maybe some more silverware for Sawson and Vavram. Albeit we don't have any silverware, no budget to buy a trophy, just the, the pride <laughs> of winning. Scott, unlucky, mate, how do you feel? Oh, well, 
congratulations to, you know, to Mick and, you know, it is what it is, but like I said, we had no idea, but um, like I say, obviously a big thanks to you, Ollie, as well for the radio for the year, because it's been a, a pleasure to listen to throughout the summer, so it's it's been good, so hopefully you'll do it again next year. Oh, thank you, Scott. You're making me blush. It's the beauty of radio, you can't <laughs> see me. Thank, no, I appreciate that, mate. Really do appreciate it, and it's our, our pleasure to, 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 cover, to cover the teams across Cambridge. Scott, Nick, thanks for your time this evening, guys. Cheers, mate. Okay, Cheers, sir. Nick. Nick Griggs there of Sauce and Babraham. Scott Walton, the very, very lovely Scott Walton of Needingworth. I didn't pay him to say that, I promise. But the facts are that Nick Griggs of Sauce and Babraham will be taking on Graham Duff of Eaton Soken in the FTP Quiz Cup final. Can't wait. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Right then, now it's time to talk more about T20 Finals Day. We did actually touch on it then in the quiz, but we're going to have a proper preview now of this Saturday's action at Edgebaston. As I said, four counties battling out to be crowned blast champions. Will it be Sussex, Hampshire, Somerset or Kent who get to lift the trophy in front of a sellout crowd at Edgebaston, the home of Finals Day, of course. Both semi-finals and the final will take place in one day, and I think, I hope... We'll have the mascot race too. Joining me now to preview the day is Annie Chave, editor of County Cricket Matters. Evening, Annie. How are we doing? Hello. Very, very well, thank you. Uh, on the back of a um, pretty disappointing day at uh, Somerset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. I don't think we should talk about it too much. Not, no, not, no. No, maybe we should just move on because white ball cricket's where it's at, isn't it, Annie? That's, that's the... <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> right. Who cares about Red Bull? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Right. T20 Bars Finals Day, I reckon it's probably mm. as good a day in the domestic calendar as you can get. Probably one of the best cricketing days across the world. It's a fantastic occasion. Three matches in one day. It's going to be good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, sold out. Um, and I've uh, I, today I've, uh, I've found myself with a ticket and I've been uh, trying to find accommodation and there's absolutely nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing, nothing available anywhere in the uh, in the centre of town, so I think it's going to be a popular day. It's going to be lively. I I have no idea what the weather forecast is there, but um, yeah, um, we've got four great teams. Funnily enough, which is is uh, a bit of an odd one, but yeah, um, I think it's going to be a great day. If you if you would ask me who I think would win, um, oh, save that, Annie. Uh, save that, Annie. We'll, we'll oh, save that. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll build the tension. <laughs> we'll leave the okay. predictions to the end, but. If the result goes the way you want it to, which I think most listeners will be able to guess it's also the way I want it to go, then you won't need accommodation because we'll be parting, parting all throughout the night. Anyway, is there going to be a mascot race? That's what I want to know as well. Do you know yeah, if... I don't know. It's not, COVID. it's not a COVID problem, is it? Surely there would be a mascot race. I hope so. Hope so. Yeah. Any, anyway, let's yeah, look at the definitely. semi-finals then. <laughs> First up, Hampshire versus Somerset. Now, Hampshire struggled, mm. didn't they, in the groups for a bit, but they sort of crept yeah. through. They they won their last five games, which was incredible. Then, yeah. brilliantly, beat Knotts in that low-scoring quarter-final at Trent Bridge, which was fantastic. That was an incredible win, wasn't it? I mean, they, they got that 125-9, wasn't it? And then uh, yeah. uh, they won, yeah. Yeah, fantastic semi-final. Which of the, the yeah, key players for Hampshire you, you think we should look out for? I mean, looking at some of their bowling options, like some Mason Crane and Liam Dawson, uh, Scott Curry and, and Brad Willis, we just discussed, have had really good tournaments as well. Who are the key men for Hampshire? Yeah, well, 
You've got uh, Vin <laughs> uh, Dawson. Um, is Darcy Shaw player? Because he's quite a, a key player for them. Key yeah, batsman. Mason Bain, Chris Wheel. Did Yorkers? Uh, I think yeah. I, I think there's a. It's a. It's a good, good, strong, solid um, side um, that's really balanced. Um, I think they're lucky to be there. They did creep through, but um, yeah, they're, they're definitely in with a shout. They certainly are coming up against Somerset, mm. who have had, a, mm. as we just discussed, a pretty terrible time in Red Bull cricket of late. You'd expect them to bounce back though for, for finals day. They've got some some big name players coming back in. Yeah, I mean, it's very different, isn't it? I assume Banton will be behind the stumps and uh, he could be incredible or we, we we might see his poor run of form again. And then there's, of course, Abel um, Lamanby had a fantastic century yesterday, which was uh, pure class. And, of course, there's the uh, Smead card who um, hit a massive six um, in the last game against uh, Lancashire. So I, I think we've got a we could have a really, really good game on there. Yeah, it's a, a looking at a really good semi final that is first up Somerset mm. against Hampshire. Do you reckon there is I was mm. gonna ask actually, Annie, do you reckon there is a preference what teams would prefer to do, whether they'd like to get underway at what, ten thirty, eleven, or they prefer to wait until the afternoon, the first semi final yeah, or the yeah, second yeah. semi final? I, I always wonder that actually. I mean I feel for Somerset if they um, or, well, the first two teams, obviously. I feel for Hampshire as well. Um, <laughs> if they do lose the first one, it's a yeah, it's a bit of a grim wait then, isn't it, to go through and watch the afternoon match. I, I think the momentum of the first match um, would pull some um, players to play better in the second one. So I, I think if, if I'd had a preference, I'd, I'd want Somerset to play second. But who, who knows? Who knows, though? Who knows? Yeah, I guess, like yeah. you say, if you play in that second semi-final and then you're straight away in the final having won it, there is some real momentum behind you. But then again, if you play first, you get a little bit of a break in between. It's um, it's a, an interesting question. In terms of the other semi-final then, Sussex against Kent. Now, my perception was that Sussex have, have been at finals day a number, a number of times, but looking at the stats, I think it's only, it's only 2018 they've been there recently, but runners-up in 2018... Their squad is is full of experience and quality, though, isn't it? When you look right through the lineup from one to eleven. Mm. Yeah, Sussex. Are, I mean, they've got Salt, they've got Wright, they've got Bupara, they've got Wise, they've got. I, I, have they got Rashid Khan? I I, I don't, I don't know if think he's still so. Around for this. No. Okay. Well, he was the one that got them through the the last game, really, with his uh, wonderful helicopter shots. Um, and and then of course they've got Chris Jordan, um, Time and Mill. So uh, they are really really strong. I I think anyone um, it, it would be uh, scared to come up against them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Just checking the weather actually for Saturday. It looks okay. I'm touching wood, fingers crossed as well. Saturday the 18th of September is cloudy, light cloud and light winds. And looking on uh, BBC weather. Only about 14, 15% chance of rain all day. So we should be okay, Annie. We should be okay. Um, let's. <laughs> fingers crossed, though. Kent, of course, is the other side coming up against Sussex. Mm. And they also, as we found out in the quiz just then, they have the leading run scorer and leading wicket taker of the four teams left in the competition in Daniel Bell Drummond with the bat and Matt Milnes with the ball. Is it fair to say they're, they're probably the underdogs of the. 
of the four sides. I'm just thinking in terms of teams who've reached finals day that often before. I can't recall Kemp being there too many times. Yeah, I mean, probably on paper they are. Um, but having said that, I, I do think Hampshire are weaker than Kent. Um, they've got um really, really strong side. Again, they've got Billings, um, they've got Denley, they've got Beldrummond, they've got Leaning. I mean, you know, they've also got Denley, they've got Milne, um, so they are strong, and I'm I'm not actually surprised to see them there. And also, their fielding um, when they played against the Birmingham Bears was incredible. Uh, that, I mean, I think that's what got them through. Yeah, a strong, a strong side throughout, mm. and uh, in, all, in all but one of Kent's actual ten wins in the competition. So, in all but one of their mm. ten wins, they've batted first setting a total so they clearly like to get runs on the board and then defend it mm. which often in big occasions in finals especially when the pressure's on is is the way to go it's must be yeah. so difficult for sides chasing when they're under that um severe pressure so you've already said you're going which is great the only downside final stay this year annie is that it, it appeared that only 600 tickets were handed out to each county mm. who qualified through to finals day which in a capacity of 25,000 edge baston doesn't seem too high doesn't seem a high enough number for me seem a very 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 low total to i i i'm hoping that people got around that somehow but um yeah that that does seem really uh i didn't actually realize that so yeah that's uh that's a really strange thing to do isn't it because you Mm -hmm. would think that you want to get your your fans from all the counties there you would think so i presume it's because Mm. the ecb feel which they do every year they can sell out finals day so quickly because they can it's such a brilliant day in the calendar it's such a popular event that therefore they don't need to really hold that many tickets back for for the counties who progress because they can sell tickets anyway come on then annie we've uh we've made you wait this whole time give us a prediction what do you reckon a prediction for finals day who's going to win what do you reckon (laughs) before i before um well um you know i would love absolutely love somerset to win but every time i predict that they're going to win they don't so i'm not going to i'm not going to say that they're going to win um and I really, really looking at um, the uh, build up to the. I, I would go for Sussex. I think they are a really strong unit. Mm. Yeah, I think. If How about you? you? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, likewise. I'm definitely not going to say Somerset. I'd, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd go for Sussex as well. I just think they look a really strong team all throughout. Mm-hmm. Experience in there like Luke Wright and Ravi Bapar and and some quality bowling in Chris Jordan and Timar Mills as well. So I'd go exactly. Sussex. Mm. they have it Annie yeah. thanks so much for joining us really appreciate it when can we get our hands on the next copy of County Cricket Matters it is out now um, it, it was out on Friday so um, you just go to my website and uh, which is countycricketmatters.com and uh, yeah go and buy it for God's <laughs> sake it's really worth it <laughs> Annie thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it thanks Annie. bye <laughs> Annie Jay, the editor of County Cricket Matters magazine, as she said, go and buy it. Go and buy the magazine. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Right, it's time to round up the local game, and we're going to start with Triplo Ladies, as they have won the inaugural Women's East Anglian Premier League, and they did it in some style on Sunday, defeating Copdock and Old Ipswichian by 10 wickets. 
Going into the match, they sat top of the table, knowing a victory would be enough to secure the title, with the gap between second place Melton St Audrey's then being too big to bridge, despite them having a game in hand. Triplo are also the only Cambridgeshire side in the competition, and we'll be joined by Captain Lara Neal to discuss Sunday's win, the title-winning campaign, and women's cricket just generally across the county, what state it's in later on in the show. Moving on to the men's East Anglian Premier League and it was the last round of matches in the division with Cambridge finishing very, very strong indeed, including a narrow 13-run victory at Frinton-on-Sea on Saturday. Johnny Atkinson hit 97 not out as Cambridge registered 221 all out. In reply, Frinton were 166 for four, cruising, requiring just 56 to win of 23 overs with Michael Comber having blasted 90 of 35, all before Zaman Akhtar tore through Frinton's lineup to take five of the remaining six wickets, including a hat trick. He finished with figures of eight for 45, and I caught up with him after the game. We were sort of going to lose the, lose the game. Mikey Cumber earlier in the season got 160, and he was about 90 or 30, and we were like, oh, it's just happening again. And then luckily, he missed one of my probably just a half volley, missed it. And then from there, we always knew we were in with a shout and then wickets just kept falling. Got 9, 10, 11, just bowled the stumps, which I've struggled to do this season. So it's nice to actually get some rewards. And yeah, the hat-tricks, the last two were just pure Stuart Broad celeb appeals. <laughs> I just, I was just off, which was, it was nice. It was a really nice way to finish the season, actually. Yeah, you're right. The last two wickets were LBW, so... Were you running off even though you perhaps maybe didn't know if they were out or not, or were they absolutely plumb? I've, they were they were pretty out, and I didn't even look back for either. Started sprinting. It was good fun. Yeah, I can imagine. I was going to ask how you celebrated, because a hat-trick isn't something that happens too often. Have you had many before? Only one in about under-14 cricket, so it's been a long, long time. So, yeah, I didn't really know what to do. It's just all all happened at once, and then just started sprinting. So sort of just everyone following each other into a big huddle. It's a really good way to finish the season. Like a uh, a Jack Brooks style running off to the boundary or in round to here often does laps around the pitch. Yeah. Was it was it more more similar to that? Yeah, pushing people out of the way, just can't be caught, sort of thing. I should also mention, really, forgive me for not mentioning it, but of course your figures from the weekend were actually eight for forty five. Where do they rank in terms of your your best numbers? Best ever, yeah. Never had more than six, so Best by a long way, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I so say, did you feel like you had the ball on, on absolute string? Not as such. I think in the first spell, I just tried to bowl as quick as I could. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got two wickets bowled and then sort of tied out in the middle and then just came back at the end and then started bowling stump to stump. And whether it nipped or they just missed it, it was I got lucky in getting those wickets at the end, which is, which is nice. It's been a weird season for me because I haven't actually got <laughs> too many league wickets, so... Be nice to actually get some in one game. You certainly made up for it on the weekend. Then is the ball now on your mantelpiece somewhere? Yeah, yeah, just opposite me now. Actually, <laughs> got one there. <laughs> nice memento to keep from the season. It rounded off a brilliant win for you boys by 13 runs, and also, in fact, a, a terrific end to the season as well. You won your last three games, and if you count your last eight matches that you managed to play, taking out the cancelled games as well, you managed to win six of those matches so you really found your form in the second half of the season yeah I think it's been a weird season for us because we've struggled to sort of get sides out and it's been sort of different sides every other week but we've still had quite a good core of players and 
having DK get a hundred every other week always helps. And then Lewis finishing top of the bowlers as well. We've we've always been in and around winning games. It's just been some we've been a bit unlucky or couldn't quite get it done. But yeah, it's been a it's been a really good season with not too much of a similar side. It's always been getting different players together, but it's always good to be able to well for Lewis to be able to trust them to do do a job. And on on the form as well, the, as I mentioned, the form's been really good. Do you think that has been anything to do with the news that broke earlier on in the campaign about the club being demoted to the, the Cams and Hunts Premier Leagues? Has it taken perhaps that pressure off? You could play with freedom maybe? I guess looking at results, that would, would suggest that. But has that been the case? Yeah, I guess, I guess it, you can say it took pressure off. But I think when it came out, we were always... Always, always like, why don't we just show the league what we can do? We, if we're going down, we'll go down, not just throw away games and not try, but properly put up a good fight and try to do the best in the league we could. And I guess at the end of the season, we did, we actually finished, I think, sixth by a couple of points. We had quite a few abandoned, so we did really well this year. And what does the winter hold, not just for you, but but for the club, really? I imagine it's a big one in, in trying to, I guess, set about how you're going to approach the, the Cams and Hunts leagues and, and also looking to try and get, I presume, back into the APL. Yeah, I think that's the aim. The aim straight away will be try to go back up. I think it'll be nice for a couple of our players who have kids now. They can have a later start, play different oppositions, spend a bit more time with the family, but still playing good competitive cricket on the Saturdays. I think for a number of players with the motion, probably see a few people out the door, including myself. I'll probably be moving. And a couple others might be going as well. But I think there's a good core who will be staying, wanting to get the club back up to the top. And presumably you'll leave having had some fantastic memories over the years as well. Yeah. Started playing cricket when it was on Bentley Road, so down at Clare College, which was about <laughs> two-minute walk from me. So that's been my cricket since I was about eight years old. So it's been a hell of a ride. <laughs> Enjoyed every minute. It's been really good. Great memories. But yeah, hopefully one day come back. Not too long. I can imagine. Is it sad to be going or, or is it just the... The challenge, I guess, of wanting to play at a higher level is, is is too good to turn down. Yeah, I think I at my age, I I got to be playing that top level. So, I think yeah, it'd be a good time to leave, try play some good cricket, come in the next couple of years, and then see what happens from there. So, Zoom an actor there of Cambridge, of course, Cambridge playing in the Camden Hunts Premier League next season after their demotion from the East Anglian Premier League after failing to meet the youth set-up criteria. Moving on, and champions Sawston Bay Bram extended their lead at the top to 55 points with a 27-run win over Copdock and Old Itswitchian. Callum Guest fell four runs short of a tonne with an unbeaten 96, helping Sawston Bay Bram post 296. In reply, the attack largely shared the wickets around, ensuring Centurion Donald Malambo ran out of partners with Copdock on 269 for 8. Saff and Walden's victory over Bury St Edmunds meant they finished the season with four wins on the bounce. Nikhil Garantler's 79 was the highest of four, plus 40 scores for Walden as they set Bury 323 to win from 50 overs. However, in what appeared to be an end-of-season bowl-a-thon, four of the nine bowlers used chipped in with twofers to secure a 74-run win. Burnley-Lexing finished the campaign rooted to the bottom of the table after losing at home to Great Witchingham, winning the toss and batting first. The host score of 109 was really well below par. Great Witchingham wobbled at 23 for four, but ultimately they had enough to get over the line with four wickets to spare. So Sauce and Abraham pick up their maiden EAPL title. The East Anglian Premier League is done. 
Cambridge end their 22-year stay in the division in sixth. Saff and Walden finish seventh, separated by 15 points. Those two teams, whilst Burnley-Lexing are 13 points adrift at the bottom of the pile. But as we said, avoid the playoff due to Cambridge's demotion. So who takes Cambridge's place then? Well, Whittam, winners of the two counties league, defeated Downham Stowe, who are winners of the Norfolk Alliance League, by nine wickets in the East Anglian Premier League playoff semi-final on Saturday. And they, Whittam, will take on Cambridge's Eaton Soken for a place in the league next year, this Saturday. This is because despite Eaton Soken's loss to Histon in the Camden Hunt's Premier League playoff final last weekend, Histon opted against playing in the East Anglian Premier League. They also didn't meet criteria, so Eaton Soken went straight through to the EAPL playoff final to decide who goes up into the league next year. And I caught up with Captain Johnny Carpenter about it earlier on today. Obviously, this week's a lot bigger. Um, it's always a big final against Histon and the better team won on the day. It's a fair play to them for winning that game. Uh, but yeah, it's probably hands down the biggest biggest game in the club's history, to be fair, coming up this weekend. And how is the mood in, in the camp ahead of the match? Obviously, not the ideal preparation that you wouldn't have liked to have lost last week. You'd have liked to have a bit of winning momentum, but equally, your form in the league has been fantastic all year. Oh yeah, we we won the league quite comfortably, so um, we we would probably rate ourselves the the strongest team in the league. And obviously, momentum is always a good thing, but sometimes a good shake up when you do lose is also beneficial. Yeah, you're coming up against Whitham. Do you know much about the club? No, no, we don't know anything about the club. To be fair, never never played against them. We've got a, a few reports coming against them, but you can only face what's there on the day. To be honest. And how is that? for a challenger skipper then because you've got no sort of preparation beforehand you can do I guess in a sense it clears your mind but there's no as I say no preparation beforehand you can't eye up certain opponents it's purely just to down to how you perform on the day and also adapting on the day as well to whether it be the the pitch or, or the players you're up against you've got to try and really think on your feet I think as a captain it probably just keeps you switched on all game to be fair rather than something you play against you, you sort of know who the big wicket is and and if you get them, your team can take your foot off the pedal a bit. But a game like this, not knowing much about the opposition, I think it just keeps them a little bit sharper. And uh, a slight disadvantage in that you're playing on, on Whittam's home ground as well. Is it a massive disadvantage at all? Um, obviously a slight disadvantage, but we're quite lucky. We have booked a, a 60-seater bus going over, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> that'll be pretty much full. So... It might be a bit of a shock for them when, when we turn up with, with about 45, 50 fans coming out, of the, coming out of the bus. So it is a disadvantage, but it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. This time of year, because the playoff is fairly late in the season, isn't it, Johnny? It's what we're coming into the, towards the end of September now. Does it mean that making the most of conditions, whether it be you win the toss or the lose the toss, becomes even more important? Um, it could do. I just think... The first hour of a game like that's probably the biggest hour. Um, obviously, if you bowl first, you've got probably one a very, very comfortably Premier League standard open attack of Ethan and and Joe. So I, I would look look to them to just sort of set set the tone for the rest of the day, and the rest of us can follow. And it's pink ball and, and coloured clothing, is it? Yes, pink ball, coloured clothing. We've played half of it. We played that in the the finals. The balls are a different ball, but you just got to watch it and hit it or 
pole, it doesn't make that much difference. <laughs> Sounds a, a simple game. What will your message be to the, the lads before you walk out onto the pitch then when you're in the dressing room? Because obviously it's such a big occasion for the club. You mentioned it earlier, the biggest in the club's history. You want to enjoy it, but also you only really enjoy it if you go out there and get the result you want. I think you'll just be to go out there and enjoy it. All these, all these people have travelled a bus journey an hour and a half down the road to come watch us. Let's try and do the club and them proud and just uh, just enjoy it, really. And if, if we win, we win. If we lose, be a shame. But if we, we give it 100% and lose, I don't think anyone at the club would be disappointed at that. And what would it mean to go up, Johnny? Because I know Cambridge are coming down, so you are replacing a Cambridgeshire side. But to have another Cambridgeshire side represented in the East Anglian Premier League, what would it mean to the club to represent the county in that division? Yeah, it'll, it'll obviously be good to have another team up in the up in the prem, but obviously it makes uh, makes it makes the league a little bit weaker, taking four or five teams out of it. So that's a bit harder for the Div One and other other leagues. But yeah, it's the pinnacle of local cricket, and and that's where as a club we aim to be. If it's this year, brilliant. If it's another year, it's another year. But that is our ambition to get there. So I appreciate it's a little bit difficult to understand with all the playoffs in the various divisions, but basically this weekend, all you need to know is that Eaton Soken take on Whittam at Whittam for a place in the East Anglian Premier League next season. Cambridge From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, just before we welcome Lara Neal, Triplo captain, onto the show, just a quick round-up of a couple of other matches from the weekend or one that didn't take place. The CCA Junior League Championship playoff final between Rickling Ramblers and Cambridge St Giles 2s was postponed due to a lack of availability in the Rickling camp. The game is now due to be played ahead of next season on April the 23rd. I thought another playoff final would just be too confusing for you, so save it for after the break. There was also one final match in the Camden Hunts Premier League Division 3 between Eaton Soken 2s and AK-11. It went the way of AK-11 by eight wickets, but unfortunately their fate had already been sealed and they couldn't manage to beat the drop, despite finishing just three points off safety in eighth. Eaton Soken finished sixth out of nine. We'll have a full round-up of all the Camden Hunts and CCA divisions in our season review show, but as I said, now it's time to welcome on Lara Neal, Triplo Ladies Captain. Evening, Lara, how are we doing? Hi, good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. No problem, thanks for coming on because you managed to secure the Women's East Anglian Premier League title on Sunday. A 10-wicket win. Couldn't have done it any better over Copdoc and Old Itswitchian and, as I said, crowned champions of the inaugural Women's East Anglian Premier League. How does that sound? Pretty good? Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I don't think it's quite settled in yet, but it's very exciting for everybody. Was it a little bit of an anti-climax because it was so comfortable in the end? Um, Kotdok are normally a very strong team. I think we just bowled extremely well on the weekend. And, I mean, it shows what we've done all season. We've bowled a lot of teams out all season. And it's a great thing for our bowlers. We'd have liked to chase a bit more just so the batters got a bit more of a game. But it was... For my nerves, it was good because we needed to win to win the title, so I won't complain. Yeah, you said to me before you're not a you're not a great watcher. Uh, just a, a quick <laughs> a quick shout out to one of your standout players this season, Izzy Routledge. She's been incredible, really. Just looking at her stats on play cricket across all cricket this season in 2021, averaging 69, and, and she's played for a number of teams at a number of different levels. But for yourself, she's been fundamental, really, to your title charge. 
Yeah, she's been great. She's very solid at the top order. She just opens the batting and stays there and scores a lot of runs. And she definitely puts fear in op opposition when they have to face her bowling-wise. Um, when she bowls, she's just she's so accurate and it just, again, it's very difficult to face. So I think she's been a great asset to the team this season. And I'm very glad we don't play against her, put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, stats bowling was pretty good as well, averaging over 60 with the bat and under 14 with the ball. So very, very good indeed. Was there a point in the season, Lara, where you thought, in the league season I'm talking about, where you thought, yeah, we've got this, there was a really important victory where you thought, yeah, that's a, a key one? I think all of them are very important. Looking back at it, the first game of the season, beating Melton, um, getting them all out was crucial actually to the, the final victory in the league because they were second and they were very close second. I think going into the last weekend for us, it was their second last weekend. Um, they were four points behind or something like that. So it was very, very close. Um, so that, looking back in hindsight, that was obviously quite an important game. I think for me, I never thought it was comfortable at all all season. You never know what's going to happen. And in cricket, you can have a great game one week and it doesn't necessarily mean it's the same next week. Um, so right till the last game of the season, I was just saying to everyone, we just have to do our best and win. And then it's out of our control what happens. But so I was very pleased with how it all went. Yeah, when we spoke this time last year, ahead of the division starting up and, and you entering the competition, you were a bit unsure, really, of what the standard would be like in terms of women's cricket in the number of counties, obviously Cambridgeshire, Norfolk, Suffolk, etc. How have you found the, the standard? It's been very good. I think there's been obviously limitations that a lot of teams will have with COVID and things like that. Um, which are obviously out of their control, but it's been a very high standard of cricket. I think most of the East Anglian Premier League teams are full county sides, pretty much. Um, we're quite fortunate being the only team in Cambridgeshire that we have quite a lot of county players in our side as well. Um, so we put out a very strong 11 every week, which obviously bodes very well in terms of trying to win matches. But overall, everyone's been really strong and there's been hundreds and fifers and all sorts of things going on across the whole league. So it's been... A great advocate for women's cricket all round. Yeah, it certainly has. And your league trophy, I know you haven't actually got your hands on it yet, but when you do, I imagine it's going to complement your T20 trophy pretty nicely because, as we covered earlier on in the season, you won the Club Plate T20 finals day, which you travelled all across the country, I think, at, <laughs> at one point to, to manage to get it. But uh, another really, really big win for you, that was, of course, the second 11 won their T20 division in the two counties championship as well so overall for the club it's been a, a fantastic year what's next for for triplo then because you've proven yourself locally nationally as well in a sense in the t20 comp what's the next step for the for the ladies section of the club i think for a lot of the girls it will be to have a break and have a rest because it's been a very long <laughs> season but looking into the next couple of years it'll be trying to to hold titles and things like that and look to progress in the cup competition for the the national competitions um, so that will be hopefully something we can look to do next season and see how far we can get in that. And then it will just be seeing where it goes. Obviously, the Sunrisers pathways and things like that, it will be good to get more and more of our players involved in those sorts of things with Izzy Routledge and Izzy James already being in those setups. I think it will be supporting a lot of players where they want to go and supporting what everyone wants to do. There's a a big demographic in our club particularly that wants to play club cricket and doesn't want to take it too much further so it's offering them that at the same time as offering other players the opportunity to progress and develop so 
we'll look to see where that goes and where that takes us. But currently we'll stick in the East Anglian Premier League and hope to defend it next season. Yeah, on the Sunrisers, how have you found it sort of from outside outside looking in? Because there was a lot of talk at the time when the eight regional hubs were invented and, and I think there's a bit of talk around the Women's County Championship and, and whether that competition, whether the integrity of that would, would stay the same. Have you seen the, the Sunrisers, which is a, a combination of a number of counties really in, in the east of England, have you found that as a real positive for, for women's cricket locally? Yeah, definitely. When I was younger playing county, there was no sort of opportunities like that. So to see that the the girls in the squad and in all the teams in the East Anglian Premier League, when they perform well, there's an opportunity to go somewhere else with it and to take their cricket further and then to get scouted for other higher opportunities like national sides and things. It's, it's a great thing for particularly minor counties, East Anglia, where there hasn't often been that sort of opportunity before. Looking in at the higher level, it would be great to look to progress sunrises further so the team's a bit more successful, but it's very much a the counties involved, a lot of them are development counties such as ourselves and other counties in minor East Anglia. So um yeah, it's a great opportunity and hopefully we'll just see it grow and develop over the next couple of years and coupled with the hundred, it will be a further advocate for the success and potential of women's cricket. We'll save your big question for the podcast, if you don't mind sticking around. Uh, but we are running out of time. I remember chatting to you last year and we were saying that we we need more clubs in, in Cambridgeshire from a ladies' perspective because there's there's lots of girls that are, aren't really getting the opportunities, whether it be playing initially or even when they are playing, not necessarily bowling or batting too much because of the the number of teams there are. Then, of course, you've got the travel on top of that. Have you seen more clubs in, in the, the last year or so? Has that improved? Yes, definitely. There's a number of clubs looking to come through, looking to offer women's softball and hardball cricket and girls cricket as well. It's a case of just growing and developing those clubs into league structures and things like that. And then obviously, hopefully developing to have more East Anglian Premier League standard sides. I know Cote in particular are progressing a lot and looking to push into that league, which is great to see. And the likes of Chippenham and March and Sutton have had great success this season with their softball stuff. So it's looking to grow that. And Ely with their hardball stuff, I think it's their first season playing hardball. And we've played a few fixtures against them, which have been really good fun and really encouraging to see the, the future of women's cricket in Cambridgeshire growing and developing. Yeah, upward another side who are, I think, looking to, to be a part of the East Anglian Premier League in some capacity next season. We spoke to them earlier on in this season another another club looking to de- develop their ladies section are we any closer to to having a, a women's league just for for cambridgeshire sides it was something again we spoke about last time we had a, a chat on zoom are, are we any closer you mentioned the influx of of clubs i think yes we're, we're a lot closer than maybe it seems to having a league there are teams there and it's coordinating them there's a difficulty in different standards that maybe needs to be equated. Obviously, things like the Triple First team will stay in the East Anglian Premier League, but um, there's definitely teams that are, are growing and starting hardball cricket would be, I think, great to start forming a league. A lot of teams already from Cambridgeshire um, form the two counties West League, which involves Suffolk and Essex as well. So I think it's someone taking the reins and giving it a go, really. There's definitely opportunities there and maybe a bit more advertising on people knowing that it's 
it's a possibility we'll encourage more teams to get involved and more players to to take up cricket bats and balls and start playing cricket. As a club in Triplo, we obviously try and do our best to to recruit players and not turn players away and things like that and grow girls cricket particularly through our age group systems it's about encouraging more clubs to do the same thing and to to look to progress looking at triplo in the past i mean it's been eight years from parents mums daughters playing matches to east england premier league champions um so it is possible and it it's by no means a quick thing but it's not a a lifetime sort of thing either so if clubs are willing to commit to it then there's no reason why they can't join the league and progress from there and get to to the likes of where we are and higher yeah, it's a good story that from from what you've achieved over over the last few years to to where you are now Lara just uh, tease the listeners so they can uh, do my job for me and plug the podcast what's your big question uh, my big question is all about women's cricket and sort of the the potential growth of women's cricket and it was, yeah, what does the future of women's cricket look like in the next decade after the success of the England Test match earlier this year and the women's 100? So if you want more of that, more women's debate, then stay listening to the podcast, Lara, for now. Thank you very much for coming on. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Let's move on to your big question then, Lara. It's sort of a similar sort of tone with regards to what is the future of women's cricket over the next decade after the success of the England's women's test earlier this summer and the 100 as well, where do you see test cricket, first of all, in, in the women's game? How much test cricket would you like to see the likes of England, Australia, India, or all the international sides play? But realistically, how much is that possible? As a, a very keen cricketer and cricket fan, I would obviously love to have so much test cricket for, for the women's game that you could sort of watch it almost every week. It would be amazing that it sort of mirrored the men's platform across the world. But currently in England, um, we haven't really got the women's county set up in the same way that there is for the men's for four-day cricket and the county champs that sort of provides the players who can play test cricket, but also to have sort of the volume of players to be able to fill both 100 fixtures and franchise fixtures and club fixtures and county fixtures and then international stuff as well. So it's, I think if anyone was looking to grow test cricket and to have test cricket in the women's game, it would be looking at sort of increasing that player basis. Obviously the women's game is a long way behind the men's game and trying to catch up, which is, and it's doing great things and it's progressing, but I don't see test cricket personally on the horizon very soon for the women's game. The multi-format style of cricket that the test matches have been played in works really well and the test matches become a bit of an exhibition for women's cricket and it's definitely a great advocate for the likes of opening batters and things like that trying to bat for a longer period of time than just maybe the 20 overs they play or the 40 overs they play in the club and county setups um, but even things like the the franchise competitions going 50 overs is great to start encouraging that step between the short format of 20 overs and test cricket and encouraging people to play longer games but if you're trying to encourage players to join cricket which I think is the main aim in the inspiring generations ECB mantra that's been going on at the moment if you're trying to advocate joining the sport I think you'll struggle to get 
as many people involved if you told them they had to play for four days rather than a couple of hours here and there on a weekend. Yeah, it's a, a great point you make around how plausible really is it to play test cricket when even even those right at the top, some of the England players, most of the time when they're practising, whether it be for their regional hubs or for their 100 sides, they're generally, generally playing short-form cricket, aren't they? White ball and, and trying to score as quickly as possible. Um, they'll have things like power plays, no balls, free hits, etc. And suddenly, for then once in a while, every now and again, to say with no domestic structure, to practice the, the four-day, the longer longer format cricket, to then suddenly chuck a test match in and say you've got to bat for four days is a, a real challenge and, and not probably not really fair on any of the, the cricketers to then ask them to then perform at that level. And also, I find it difficult, though, on the other side of the coin, though, the likes of, say, Heather Knight, Tammy Beaumont, all these international stars have grown up watching test cricket. They would have loved watching test cricket, You know, had heroes in the women's game, but also heroes, the likes of Alistair Cook, probably, or Kevin Peterson, who've played test cricket. And they also constantly, you know, we constantly hear, don't we, that test cricket is the pinnacle of the game. It's, it's what everyone wants to play. And for them women not to play that, it seems unfair. It doesn't seem right that we're constantly you know, shoved down our throat this mantra that Test cricket is the the be all and end all, but women can't play, it, or you know, women aren't allowed to play it that often. It just doesn't doesn't seem doesn't seem right. So I still think we should push Test cricket in women's cricket, and albeit as you say, bring new generations in through the shorter format in T20 and white ball stuff, whether it be the hundred or T20 or T10, who knows? Definitely. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be removing Test cricket off the table for women's cricket in the future. Completely, you make a, a very good point there in that Test cricket is what people would have watched when they're younger, and it's obviously, as you say, the pinnacle of cricket for most cricket fans, myself included. I think it's where having the Test matches that they have at the moment, the multi-format series, works very very well as sort of enabling women to, to play test cricket because without the domestic structures, obviously, as you say, it's it's difficult. Um, but looking at it from a point of view of like, if you're a young kid watching women's cricket, there's now those, those heroines you can look up to and you can go, I want to be Heather Knight scoring 100 off 400 balls against Australia or something rather than I want to be Alistair Cook saying, not that Alistair Cook's not a great hero to have, but it's, it's great to have somebody a bit more relatable. Exactly. Um, the likes of Shafali Verma as well coming through in those sorts of formats are, are looking to be great cricketers in the future and be able to to encourage more players to to bat longer and want to bowl longer overs and things like that. It will be great if we can get more test matches in, but maybe not in the same scale as the men's. So throwing the question back to you, Laura, where do you see cricket in the next 10 years? Presumably a lot more T20, a lot more 50 over stuff as well, a lot more 100 format. Do you see that going across the, the globe? Obviously, that's, uh, it's, it's a really divisive, divisive topic, the 100, especially in the men's game, because you have got the 18 first class counties and lots of people want to protect them and don't feel that the 100 necessarily does that in the long term. But with the women's 100 this year, it seemed to really work. Um, and I know it's easy for me to say as a bloke, but from a women's point of view, putting it on the the same stage as the men's in terms of a lots of double headers that seem to work again. Does that all sound right? Is that where you see it as well, the 100 being playing a lot more? 
Yeah, completely. The success of the tournament this season, I think, definitely was more on the women's side than the men's side. You look at the crowds the women got to some of their games and it's incredible. I don't think even players would have thought that they could get that many people watching them when when they first started playing, even when I think it was Manchester Originals lost the first women's game and it was post-match interview of Kate Cross just looking at the crowd and going, this is incredible, even though they'd just lost. It was sort of, I think that shows you how far the women's cricket has come and how much the 100 did do for women's cricket this season. I'm not sure about how transferable it is to youth cricket. We've done, myself, I've been involved with some 100 stuff that we've run and it's, it's worked very well, but I'm not sure I see it becoming a, a league structure, for example, like 2020 and 50 over competitions are. Why not? Is it is it just a case of it doesn't perhaps allow you to hone in on those fundamental skills that you need to both pick up a bat and, uh, and bowl wicket to wicket? Why is it not too transferable locally? I think for myself as a sort of traditionalist cricketer, it's sort of, it becomes such a batter-heavy game. There's not that much of an advocate for bowling and I think it will turn a lot of bowlers away from playing compared to batters where it's obviously going to advocate them going in and letting them swing but again when you're trying to teach young children to play cricket the biggest issue is trying to get them to stay in and defend that if they just continually play the 100 they're never going to learn how to bat long periods of time and particularly for the future of the men's game then that might become an issue with providing players for the test squads if Young players obviously just play the 100 and swing across the line and things like that to try and hit sixes. From the, the women and girls' point of view, obviously, as I say, it's it's been great to get more people involved. And I have seen more and more girls getting involved and saying, I watched the 100 and I wanted to play, which is obviously a great thing. And that's what you want to happen. Again, I'm not sure there's currently the opportunities available for the 100 progressing through to adult cricket. Again, that's where it becomes a bit different. And I have known a few people to go, I want to play the 100, I don't want to play T20, which then also has a negative effect on trying to get them involved in other forms of cricket that will enable them to play. But there's definitely positives and there's definitely negatives to the the whole competition. But in the grand scheme of things, if it gets more people watching women's cricket and more people involved in women's cricket, then it's got to be a good thing in the future. It's just about transferring that audience to then the more traditional forms of cricket. And I guess that's where, like in the men's game, where you still need the support for the counties, in the women's game you still need the support for those eight regional hubs and the counties beneath them in both the Charlotte Edwards Cup and the Rachel Hayo Flint Trophy as well. And we've had a pretty big discussion on your big question over, over 15 <laughs> minutes. What a, a good question it was. Lara, thanks for your time this evening. Really appreciate it. Congrats once again, of course, on winning the Women's East Anglian Premier League title on Sunday too. Thank you very much. And finally, just one more match to tell you about locally, and it involved Cambridgeshire women, a fantastic win for them on Saturday. Uh, they won by six wickets against Lincolnshire, chasing down 1-9-2 in 39 overs, so a really, really comprehensive victory for them on the uh, weekend. 52 for Sally Phelps and a 41 from Sammy Bukowski as well. That was after Izzy Routledge and Isabel Weston picked up two wickets each. Stand-up performers with the ball there. That win means that they finish fourth in the East of England Women's County Championship out of six. Five games played, two wins, three losses with 57 points. So a solid season for Cambridgeshire Women's first team.
So that is what time for on this week's From the Pavilion. Thank you very much for tuning in and also if you downloaded the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts and the Cambridge 105 Radio website, which is cambridge105.co.uk. It's the last live show of the season. So once again, thanks so much for tuning in all throughout this year. Really, really do appreciate it. Hopefully you've been able to put COVID and all the rubbish in the world to one side and talk just cricket. So thanks for listening in. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Really do appreciate it. Stay tuned for the season review in the next couple of weeks. Myself and Nathan will be trying to put together some sort of show rounding up the 2021 campaign. Until then, stay safe and well. Bye-bye.